This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning. Um, it's lovely to see you. Have I got this on right? Oh, I always do this one wrong, and it messes up the back of my hair, and it makes me upset. So I... Brilliant, I'm doing it right. <laughs> so this is a good start. Um, I'm continuing on from the last time I spoke with some stuff around identity. I was preparing this message yesterday. Um, I'd done some stuff on YEBC on Friday, which was tying in with it. We'd be doing, I did a two-parter there. And the last Sunday, and I was preparing yesterday, and I was like, oh, yes, this is great, this is rolling, this is flowing, this message is right in itself. And then I remembered it was Mother's Day. And I thought... I better put something motherly in, because I had totally forgotten. And rather than the scripture on Sodom and Gomorrah, which I was going to bring to you, I have swiftly rejigged my message and um, got something else. So thank you, God, for that. So we are going to be focusing on women, because I love the women of the Bible. Only one? Only me? All the women are nodding, not not resolutely like this. We don't have to give our voices up because we know that they are the best ones. Yes, the women of the Bible. Yes, thank you. So the women of the Bible, four women, mothers, yes. And I want us to focus on four core values today. A core value is a guiding principle. It is something that helps you decide right from wrong. It is something that drives you on. It brings truth to your life. And whilst the Bible is crammed full of them, I want to just focus on four this morning. Core values. You know when you exercise, um, you have to focus on your core muscles, don't you? Those are the things that give you posture, that keep you upright. You can do leg and arm days until the cows come home. You look very peculiar if you haven't been focusing on your core muscles. These are the things that give you strength, that keep you upright, that keep you firm. Yes? So we are focusing on core principles today. We are also going to be, as well, focusing on the effect we have on other people as people. How our identity in Christ sets other people free. So it is on us, and the Bible is very clear about this, to make sure that our identity is rooted in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because when we are rooted in Christ Jesus, not only does it mean that our relationship with God is perfect, when we are rooted in Christ Jesus, we set other people free. To the glory of God the Father. Amen? That's what it's all about. Everything we do is rooted in Christ to the glory of God the Father. So the core principles that we're going to be talking about today. None of us can fail to have noticed what happened in London this week, can we? The horror that was... Do you know this morning on the news they were saying it took 82 seconds? That's mad, isn't it? That's mad. You know what? We, 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 we throw time away, don't we? Things pass. It it wasn't even two minutes, you know, and lives changed forever. We changed forever. And I want us to grasp onto the fact that things change in a heartbeat. And then it is pointless thinking of all the things we could have, should have, would have done. The time that we have is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't be waiting to change. Don't be waiting to say that stuff. Don't be waiting to forgive someone. Don't be waiting to forgive yourself. Today is the day where all of that, in the blink of an eye, I pray God we all get home safely. But on Wednesday, some people didn't, did they? And there are families at home going, I just would have one minute 
one second to say something else to them, to say goodbye to them. Life is short. And I don't want us to, to trivialize and trifle with a holy God when we should be doing his work because time is short. Is that all right? Amen. So we're going to get straight into it, okay? These core values, things that inform our lives. And I tell you what, I have been just humbled seeing what people... We've seen the best of people this week as well as the worst, haven't we? Haven't we? And I think that's what we cling on to, the fact that people are intrinsically good. Aren't they? Aren't they? So I've got four guiding principles for you. The first one we're going to look at, the first mother that we're going to look at is in Exodus. And this core value is the core value of courage. Yeah? Who wants to be courageous? Oh, no, people went, Mira and Mark went, I do. Right, hands up. Now, we're doing it the YABC way. Hands up, who wants to be courageous? Not all of you. I am utterly shocked to my very core value. Right, now... This mother is amazing. This courage is more than bravery, right? You can be brave, but you can lack courage. Courage is doing something that frightens you. That's what courage is. That's why policemen were running towards the attacker. That's courage, isn't it? That is courage. I like to think in my more vain moments, and this may shock you, but I am quite vain. I'm also quite dramatic. I know, I know, I seem like the most humble woman on earth, but actually I am given to flights of fancy. And I think, I'd do that, I'd run towards them. But you know what? I probably wouldn't be. And I thank God that there are people who will run towards the danger and not away from it to keep me safe. Thank you, Lord. You know? So this woman... Let me just give you a bit of background. Is the first up? Let's have the first. Can I just say, you know that cloudy bit? Doesn't that bit there look like a raspberry? Every time I look at that, it's gone. Anyway, I know I think, oh, this is. I know, sorry, sorry. Do you know when your brain does this? My mother tells me off about this. I don't have to say every thought that comes into my head, apparently. No. <laughs> you want to be present later if you start on me. Right. <laughs> she will. Because she's lovely. Um, Jochebed. Who's Jochebed? Whose mother was she? Yes, somebody over here. Moses' mother. Now, at this time, we know Pharaoh was saying, all the Hebrew, the Hebrews are getting too plentiful. There are too many of them. So when they have their babies, you chuck them in the Nile. Right? So that's what the midwives had to do. Now, the midwives were very tenacious and very clever and said to Pharaoh, do you know these Hebrew women? This is a lovely verse in the Bible. The Hebrew women are too vigorous and they give birth before we get there. So what can we do? They've already had the baby, so God bless the midwives. But you know what God did do? He did bless the midwives. He blessed them and their families. The midwives prospered because they protected the Hebrews. And there was a woman... Let's read about her. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Imagine that. When there are soldiers around, you hide your child so nobody can see it for three months because you're supposed to have killed that child. You, the mother, you're supposed to have killed that child. Okay? 
and she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Her sister stood at a distance, his sister, sorry, to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him, his mother. How good is God? When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Let's leave that there. Few things here. You see, we have to be courageous. That mother took her baby. Can you imagine doing that? Can you for one second imagine that you had to make a little boat to put your most precious thing in and send it down the river not knowing what was going to happen? Can you for one second imagine? Horrible. But you know, friends, today we need to make courage. We need to make courage and live in courage. And all of us need to build our little boats and put them out down the river. That thing you need to be brave about, that you need to let go, put it in the boat and push it out. It's time to let it go in the water and let God have it. You see, with God, he blesses out of hand. This is what I want you to remember with Jochebed. This is amazing. She sent her son thinking, this is it. I'll never see him again. Pharaoh's daughter found him. Miriam, or the sister, said, shall I get someone to nurse him? She got her son back, but she had to let him go first. And God paid her to look after him. Come on. Yeah. Pharaoh said, you look after my baby and I'll pay you to do it. And she's like, uh, I think you're fine. He's my baby. But yes, go ahead and pay me. So when you let go of that thing, when you get to be brave about that thing, God will bless it. Yeah. Right? If you are courageous, and this isn't just being a bit brave about stuff. This is engaging courage that is rooted entirely in Christ Jesus, knowing that he is for you, not against you. Knowing that you are planted on the rock, knowing that your roots are going down deep into the soil of his marvellous love. Then the fruit that you produce is entirely at God's disposal for his glory alone. And he says, now I will take that thing that you were most frightened of me taking. I will redeem it. I will bless it. And I will give it back to you twice over. You have a fine, fine, fine son. That's what he says to her. Because I have plans for that. That thing you were most frightened of giving up, I have plans for it. Moses set a nation free. Are you with me? Do you see why this matters? This is a core value. Courage isn't a choice. You are in Christ, you are courageous. And it's about engaging that courage to do it, to not say, oh, you know, I'm a bit afraid. And for those women today, no, I know that Mother's Day, I'm so blessed that my mother is still alive. I am. And I know that isn't the story for some of you. And I know that for, I'm so blessed to be a mother. I'm so blessed to be a mother. And I know that isn't the story for some of you. But I want you to know that the most important thing 
about courage is that God blesses it. The midwives were blessed. If you are helping somebody birth something, if you are helping them in that place to stand in the gap and support someone in their courageous endeavours, you are a midwife. And God prospered the midwives. So nothing is ever wasted. And it may be tough for you. And I, my heart breaks for you. It really does. That you may be in a place where you think, well, this has never happened for me. Do not cultivate a wounded spirit. Don't cultivate a wounded spirit. Cultivate a spirit of courage that says God blesses the midwives. Do you understand? You are not just here to have it, you know, well, there we are, I put out, now you bless me. You are somebody else's midwife. You are somebody else's midwife. We are all somebody else's midwife. That's why we're here. And that brings glory to God. Are you all right with that? You get that? He blessed the mother, he blessed the child, he blessed Pharaoh's daughter with a baby that wasn't hers, and he blessed the midwives. All because of an act of courage. Be strong and take heart. Do not be afraid, for as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. You get it? You're not alone in this. So take your courage, C.S. Lewis says, and screw it to the sticking place. That's what he calls it. When it's a slippery thing and like spider webs and you can't grab hold of it and you don't know what to do with it, he says you screw it up and you stick it and you don't let go of it. We have to fight for that courage sometimes, don't we? Be, be strong and courageous, friends. Be strong and courageous for Christ is with you. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's core value when We've done one. We're whizzing through them. Come on. We ready for number two? Now, why you be so you know what number two is? But don't shout it out. But you can if you want. Number two is you know, compa- they're going on Martin. It's compassion. Alright? Compassion. So we are going straight to Luke. Luke? No, it's a little joke. A little joke. Not that funny, I grant you, but it was a little joke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke 7. Verses 11 to 17. Oh, this is amazing. This is about Jesus. Oh, gosh. Do you know what? Aren't you just so in love with Jesus? No. All right. Fair enough. The definition of compassion is pity, concern, empathy, feeling. It is something that we feel when we see people in need. It is something that is elicited in us when we see people who are needing something. It is an emotional response. It is a godly response to people in need. You understand? Just as much as your courage, your courage, which is an amazing quality, that's amazing core value where we get a step out and do that for Jesus, as much as that is a godly quality, so is your compassion. When you look at people and you feel compassion. Let's read this. This is wonderful. Okay, this is Jesus. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nine, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. 
They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. What? Isn't that amazing? Do you know when you read that, aren't you struck, struck by the character of Jesus? A funeral procession is coming out. And this woman, now her situation was both tragic and disastrous, right? She was a widow, so she would have had nobody to look after her. So there was no money coming in. Widows starved, which is why the call upon the people, especially in the temple, was to look after the orphans and the widows. They had nothing. She had no means of looking after herself, bar one. She had a son, and her son would look after her, but now he's dead too. This woman quite literally had nothing. She wouldn't have had food to eat or anywhere to live because she would have had no money. This woman was reduced to nothingness. And her grief here, as she comes out, it's palpable. Do you know what? I feel compassion when I read it. And their words. You think, that woman. Can you imagine thinking, this is it? It's ended, it's over, but I'm still alive. And I have to endure this now. And Jesus comes and sees her and says, don't cry. And he heals. And I love that line. I love it. And he gave him back to his mother. You know what? There are things in our lives that we have seen die. Some of you have seen people die. Some of, a lot of us have, haven't we? But you know what? God makes up for all the loss. He replaces what the locust has devoured and he gives back to you what he wants you to have to bless him. You with me? So you get back from God. This woman had her son back. You know what I love about this? I absolutely love, you know what? It's easy to be compassionate in a crowd when we're all together. You get it? When we're all here, if someone's bereaved, we're like, oh, are you all right? Are you okay? Are you all right? Are you okay? We're going to pray for you. We're all right? When everyone goes home, that person is on their own. What happens then? Then the people of God need to remember that they stay compassionate, not just when they're in the company of other people. That compassion is something that isn't, we switch it on and off, that it is a core value. We aren't, we're not doing compassion, we are compassion. Yes? That is the difference. So it isn't something that is elicited in me when I see something that provokes it. It is something that I am. I am compassionate. You know, there's a thing now called the filter bubble. Have you heard of the filter bubble? Anybody's heard about it? It is now this a new phenomenon and we get it from social media. Because we are so apt to just follow, click on, and look at things that we like, and that speak to our needs, and speak to our likes and dislikes, we have marginalized ourselves to what we view. So we cut out other things. So when we see something that, in a wider spectrum, that is terrible, we don't really care about it, because all we care is our filter bubble. We look at our stream, we look at our feed, and we have filtered out all the things that we don't think matter to us. Do you see? All we look at is what we think matters to us. We, we've all done it. If you've got Facebook, you've done it. Yeah. Look, I have. Pages Andrea likes. Yeah. Joe's ice cream. <laughs> and some other stuff. 
Go on my page, have a look. No, you can't, because it's all privately locked down. Ha, because I am aware of social media terrors, right? But this is what we do. So you will, oh, I like that, and I like that, and I like that, and I like that, but I don't like that, so I won't even look at it. So the thing is happening through it. This is how fake, fake news has been allowed to perpetuate. Because we will look at the things that the Bible describes it as our itching ears. We only want to hear what we want to hear. We only want to read what we want to read. And we only want to care about the things we want to care about. The challenge from Jesus is you care about everything that matters to him. Whether you agree with it or not, Jesus says, this matters to me, so we should care about it. And if you disagree with that, may I direct you to Jesus himself, for you are disagreeing with him. Yeah? You see, in healthcare, and again, what I have seen has indelibly marked me this week. Did you see all the emergency services helping those injured people and passers-by? Did you see the emergency services helping the perpetrator as well as the victim? It made me cry watching that because that's what we do, people. If you're a nurse, a doctor, if you were a paramedic, that's what you do. Because you sign an oath, you take an oath. My whole registration as a nurse and every healthcare professional in here, our registration, our ability to practice depends upon one thing. We promise to not do harm. That's what we have to promise, that we do not do harm, and that we will help anyone. It must have stuck in their craws to help that man, but they helped him. God bless them. God bless them. You see, the filter bubbliness wants to go, but he's done a terrible thing. I'll walk away from that. I'm not helping him. He's just murdered people. But then you're not doing what Jesus would do. Sorry. Do, do you see this? And this is why this is really, compassion is key. Do you know what Matthew Henry says? Matthew Henry, I love Matthew Henry. He wrote a whole concordance. He died young, incidentally. He was um, a vicar in Chester. Died in the 17th century. Wrote a whole concordance on the Bible before he died. A whole commentary on it. And he says this. So they're his words, not me. Take it up with him. He's dead. You can't. Ha. Leave me alone. No. If you have no love for the people of God... You have no love for God. Right? So if you have no love for people in this world, you have no love for God. That's what compassion is. Compassion is saying, I may not agree with you. I may not agree with anything you say. I may not agree with anything, but I will pray for my enemies until the cows come home. I will invoke in me that stance that Christ took on the cross for compassion for me and my sin to say I will pray for you and stand in this gap for you. Are you with me? We may not like that person. In a smaller microcosm of a church, for here we all are, all different ages, all different abilities, all different thoughts, feelings, actions and behaviours, in that, here we all are. And you know what? We exclude. We filter bubble in church. Are you aware? Because if I don't think you share the same sense of humour as me, I may choose not to connect with you over a cup of tea out there. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, I know we all have friends. I know we all have friends. But Jesus didn't exclude anybody. If your friendship with one person leads you to exclude another, I'm telling you, question that friendship. Because Jesus wouldn't do it. The very call of God in our lives is to say, where are the orphans and widows? Where are my enemies? 
Where are those who despitefully use me? And I will bless them out of hand with God himself. If you are in a situation where your friendships lead you to exclude, to form a clique, to play favourites, to do any of that, you question that friendship circle. Because that is not Jesus. That means when somebody falls on the street, you will walk past them because they're nothing to do with me. And I don't need to do that. The parable of the Good Samaritan, we're all familiar with that. Wouldn't we love to be him? We'd be like, oh, I'd be him. I'd be him. I'd be helping. I'd be paying the hotel bill. I'd be doing it all. And you know what? Be real. A lot of us would walk past and say, yeah, but he might be in a gay marriage, so I'm not helping there. Oh, what did she just say? You know? Come on, let's, let's, let's start to have a conversation that is at least rooted in reality, where we judge people for their lifestyle choices and then pretend that we'll pray for them. You're kidding yourself. We're kidding ourselves if that's what we think. Our love for Christ, our compassion should run so deep, it doesn't matter, I'll pray for them. I'll have a cup of coffee with them. I might not like anything you say, but you know what? That does not mean I am not a person of love. If you are excluding, if you are playing that game with yourself, know that the core value of compassion that Jesus is steeped in, you are withholding from other people. And that withholding is a choice. You get it? Oh, everyone's gone quiet. They're like this. This isn't the Mother's Day message I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting it to be mothers are brilliant, mothers are lovely, let's all eat cake, it'll be fine. But you know what? Time is short. 82 seconds! and people didn't get to go home. That is cutting me to the quick. Doesn't it matter? It does matter, I tell you. It does matter. Because if one person goes home from church today feeling that nobody here likes them, we have failed. If one person goes home from here today thinking, I don't fit in there, they don't like me, we have failed them. And shame on us. Shame on us if that's how we make people feel. Do you feel that? That is not okay. It is not okay for people to go home and feel awful about themselves because Christians made them feel like that. Shame on us. Right. <laughs> There's a chance I might stamp my foot in a minute. Okay. Do you know, the next core value is mercy, which is forgiveness, which is compassion in action. Because then Jesus tells us, it isn't enough to feel it, now you've got to do it. Yeah? That thing, oh, I love communion. Do you love communion? I love communion. Do you know what it says in communion? If you hold anything against your brother, don't take it. Communion is there to build us all up. It's a personal showing of your gratitude and humility and your desire to be closer to God, but it is also an outward sign to everyone to say, I have forgiven those around me. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven me. That is what you are doing when you take communion. If you have anything against one of your brothers, you shouldn't take it. That's what the Bible says. We don't say that, do we? Or we, you know, we do, but we don't hear it. That's what we do. We filter bubble it. Do you see? We filter bubble it. So if you have anything against your brother and you took communion this morning, 
you pray forgiveness now. Forgive that person, forgive yourself, and thank Jesus that he forgave you. Yeah? yeah. That's all I'm saying, yeah? So what we do, we're going to look at something here. I like, <laughs> this is another woman in the Bible. She's not so nice. I'll be honest. I'm going to be honest with you now. She's a bit of a rotter. So this is in 2 Chronicles. This is astonishing. 2 Chronicles chapter 22, okay, verses 10 to 12. This is Athaliah. You heard of her? Some of you heard of her? She is a right one. Here we go. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family and the house of Judah. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Haziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered, and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Because Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, and the wife of the priest Jehoiada, was Ahaziah's sister, she hid the child from Athaliah, so that she could not kill him. He remained hidden with them at the temple of God for six years, while Athaliah ruled the land. Say what? Now, this is why mercy is important. This is why not being grudging and resentful is important. You see, what happened was, Jehu was tasked with destroying the house of Ahab and Jezebel, which he did soundly, okay? But their children were ruling. And here, this woman, her son's on the throne, and he dies. And she thinks, well, do you know what I'll do? I will kill all my other children and grandchildren so I can be in charge. Yeah, it is nice, Mark. It's a lovely story. It's one of the more heartwarming ones in the Bible, I'll be honest with you. She kills them all. Now, what I will say about this is when we withhold mercy and forgiveness from other people, we might not be murdering them in their beds. But you know what we're doing? We are withholding what Jesus has given to us from them. Who are we to do that, by the way? What right have I got not to forgive when Jesus has forgiven me? But what you do is, it's pride. You are putting yourself on the throne because you fear other people will get away with what they've done. And you, me, us, what we want most in our lives, the human part of our brain, not the supernatural, for we have the minds of Christ, yes? But the human parts of us require validation more than anything else. Self-preservation is at the core of human nature. Making sure that I am okay. Making sure that me and mine are okay. That nobody comes against us. That we are all all right. We'll be fine. You come up against mine, you watch me. You know, but that isn't what the Bible teaches us. Look what it says happens when you behave like that. Ultimately, you will start to destroy those closest to you with your desire to be right all the time. Got it? We have to guard that bit of us that tells us it's all right to let that go. That tells us, do you know what? You calm down a bit, be in a place where you're feeling a bit better, then you can forgive. No, no, that, that isn't an option that the Bible presents us with. That isn't an option that Jesus presented us with. He didn't say, tell you what, I'll hang on this cross for a few hours more, and then when I feel like forgiving them of their sins, then I'll do it. He didn't say that. But we withhold that, don't we? We, again, I am asking for your charity here. 
you might not want to say yes out loud in a whole church of people, but in our hearts, I think there are a few of us here, myself included, who need to look at what we are feeling and thinking about other people and say, have I really forgiven them? Okay? I'm leaving that with you. Because if we haven't, then we need to. We need to. We need to forgive them. These people might be people in a church who have hurt you. Forgive them. This might be a husband, wife, partner. Forgive them. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be, you know, going out for an afternoon tea with each other after we've left here, but you need to forgive them. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get why this is important? I mean, I need to check in with you all a little bit because these are core values. I'm not asking you, I'm not coming to, and our next core value is basket weaving. You know, oh, our next core value is, hey, some positive thinking, or when we go out, we're just going to validate each other, say nice things to each other. These are not the core values I'm talking about. You know, those things, there's nothing wrong with them, carry on and do them. But what I am saying to you is, these are the things that Jesus tells us, glorify God. Right? So if we are in a place where we are not forgiving other people, we are not pleasing God. Do you see the consequences of our actions? You see, these are far-reaching things. It doesn't mean that, you know, you go to bed, you can sleep all night, you haven't forgiven someone, nobody else gets hurt. Yes, they do. They do get hurt. You are withholding the love of God from someone. Love, incidentally, is our fourth core value, and we're coming on to that now. But before we get to that, I need to tell you that these three things line up so that you can love. You cannot, I am telling you now, right? I'm telling you, you cannot love someone if you haven't forgiven them. You can't. You cannot love someone if you don't feel compassion when you look at them. You Listen, I'm not making this stuff up. But it is not possible. You know when people say, I love you, but I don't like you. Well, you don't love me then, do you? <laughs> really? That's the bottom line, isn't it? Because yeah, you cannot like a lot of things. You may not like my behaviour. You may not like my outfit. Not possible. <laughs> you may not like... Some of the things I do. You, there might be a lot of things. You might not like my house. You might not like my choice of soft furnishings. You might not like where I live. You might not... No, 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 no. There's lots of things you might not like. But me as a whole, me as my person, me in my entirety, if you don't like me, you certainly don't love me. It's not possible. Because you're not compassionate or merciful then, are you, to me? If you don't like me, none of our business not liking people in the church. We should be loving everyone. We all right with this? Because I tell you something. People were murdered on Westminster Bridge this week. Right? And it matters. This stuff matters. Because do you know what people say about us? They say we're hypocrites. They say that we say one thing and do another. They say that pe no, people leave churches because of the way Christians have treated them. People will never, I'm telling you, in the county of Carmarthenshire, and it will be replicated around the whole world, there are people who will never, ever again walk through that door because of the way Christians have treated them. That is too big a deal and too much responsibility for me to bear. I won't live like that anymore. Because ultimately, if I am minding my own feelings, 
more than I care about somebody else, I've got no business up here talking. Really, I haven't. And you know what? If I carry on, if I carried on, God will take it away from me. You have a care. You want to serve him? Oh, fantastic. Good. You should. But if you're only serving to make yourself feel better or to get yourself known, or without a shred of love or compassion in your heart for other people, God will take it away from you. You'll get up there and he'll go, I never knew you. Never knew you. Didn't love people. Weren't merciful. Oh, you did mercy, church. All right, then, come in. But that's what we expect. That's what we expect. That our deeds will outweigh every, every rotten emotion our heart is containing. It's not good enough. I'm telling you, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for any of you. And it's certainly not good enough for him. It doesn't glorify God one way. Does it? Does it? A mother's job is to nurture, to love unconditionally. There are mothers here, I know. Some who haven't been blessed with motherhood yet. I pray for you. But you would die for your children, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? My mother might not. She's like, oh, well, you know. It really does depend on the situation, Andrew. I need some context right now. You know? Most of us would die for our children. We go running into the danger, right or wrong. But we wouldn't do it for anybody else. Because we wouldn't do it for anybody else. But the truth is this. We use that as an example all the time. Because Jesus did it for us, didn't he? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But the truth is this. We, the chances of us being asked to run in front of a crazed madman with a knife to protect somebody else, those opportunities will be few and far between. Yeah? The opportunity to include someone in a conversation will happen as soon as you walk through that door. Come on. Yeah. That's it. <coughs> no. There's a spectrum, obviously. But our words and actions hurt people and hurt them to the point that they don't want to even be in the presence of the Most High God anymore. Not because he's unloving, because we are. You getting it? You getting this? Because it's important. It's important. And I had to pray about what to say on Mother's Day. God was like, well, tell him the same thing. Just use a different example, Andrea. Sodom and Gomorrah might not be the best text to go with. You're like, oh, okay, Lord, I'll defer to your greater knowledge on that one. You know, but... I was going to use the bit where Lot was interceding with, you know, Abraham had to intercede. Because I think that's where we need to be sometimes. Where we're going, for one good man, will you do it? Will you do it for all these people, Lord? Put me on a stage and I can preach to thousands. Don't, it'd be horrific. You know, let me, the show off gene in me will just go out of control. You don't understand. You know, it's good for me not to do that. But give me one person to minister to, to speak to, to help, to get into the kingdom. You shouldn't be looking at people like a herd. You should be looking at the one. Jesus died for us all, but he died for the one, didn't he? We look at people and say, I just want to help people. Well, help someone then. Help someone. Smile at someone, because that changes someone's day. Can make or break a person's day with a smile. You know what? When you have the opportunity to hold your tongue, Hold it. Don't say the thing you could say. Say something nice instead. Mercy means that it is in your gift to be merciful, to be forgiving and kind to people. But we override that because we want to feel in control of a situation. And Jesus is saying, do you know what? Then you'll murder all your babies. You will put them to death. There will be no fruit.
You with me? Which brings me on to my last one. Okay, what time is it? Last time I spoke for 50 minutes. I know it went in a world, didn't it? Because I was so amazing. I was like, 50 minutes? Oh, I had to have a sit down in a biscuit. I was so shocked. I was so sorry for all of you. See, my compassion was actually working. And it didn't shut me up, but it did make me think I will never, ever inflict my voice upon people for that length of time again. Until today, it would appear. I want us to look at Luke 2, verses 25 to 35. Okay? And this, now this is a mother, okay? This is Mary. What? If Ian was here now, he'd probably rugby tackle me and tell me not to speak about the woman in the Catholic Church and all of that. But you know what? She is in the Bible, and she was Jesus' mother, so we're allowed to talk about Mary. Okay, here we go. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, where the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. They were taking him to be circumcised. He was eight days old. They'd gone to the, 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 that's the context. They were there to circumcise Jesus. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's motherhood, isn't it? We know from historical texts that Mary was really, really young when she had Jesus, no more than a young teenager. And they had taken their lovely little baby, and it was miraculous, wasn't it? She was a bitch, you know? I don't like to say it in church. You know? But she was, you know, and she had brought him as the law required to be circumcised. And there are people in the temple who are blessed by God to speak the word of the Lord. And they come to her, and they tell her, listen, this is him. He's it. And Mary and Joseph are like, it's lovely to hear nice things about your children, isn't it? But I imagine none of us would want that end bit of prophecy for our children, would we? You know what? He, he'll call people to rise and fall. The gospel is an offence to many. Jesus is contentious. The, the subject of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? People get God. People are right, you know, yeah, there's a creator, yeah, there's a plan, yeah, there might be a divine thing, but Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. That is a real stumbling block for people. That's why we shine his light. That's why we don't defame him. You understand? He's big enough to guard his own reputation, don't get me wrong now. But we shine Jesus' light so that many will rise, not fall. Do you see how it's in our hands? We are the church, Christ's church on earth. We preach Christ Jesus now. Also here, you know, it says that um, he will be spoken against. Nobody wants to hear their child spoken about, criticised. The things they said about him, he was a glutton, a drunkard, he hung around with prostitutes and whores. No mother wants to hear that about their child. She had to, you know, God was preparing her. This is divine love in action, isn't it? That is self-sacrificing. That says, okay, do you know what Mary's response was when the angel was coming to her and saying all this? May it be unto me as you have said. And she stored all of it in her heart. 
You know, she didn't outwork any of that in a negative way. She stored all of that in her heart and took it to God and dealt with it. And this bit. And a sword will pierce your own heart too. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. Whatever you go through as a parent, as a woman, as a anything, as a child, as a nephew, as a step-parent, as a carer, as human beings, sometimes a sword pierces our heart, doesn't it? But he is with us. He is with us always. And I am minded of John 59 where it says, if you just stay in command, my command, if you just obey me, because I love you as the Father has loved me. See, it's cyclical and it pours through us. And I just want us to be aware that the love that we are designed for, the love that we are designed for as Christians is more than just the emotion of love that we talk about in the world. The love that we are designed for is divine love. It means that we have been set apart for holy purpose by God. His love is holy over us. It is given to us. So you are set apart by his divine love for him to use according to his will for his glory. Amen? Yeah. Aren't you excited by that? Doesn't that make you feel blinking neck? He wants to set me apart. He wants to set me apart to use for his divine glory. What? But that's what he's saying. So do you see how we feel about people matters? How can God use you for divine purpose if you are withholding mercy, love and compassion from people? If you're not courageous enough to be merciful and compassionate. Because sometimes that's where the courage has to come, doesn't it? Deliberately left those bits out. So that you understand that the call upon you to be loving and compassionate and merciful is an act of courage. Supreme courage in the face of many, many obstacles. And it isn't something that comes to you over time. It isn't something you practice. If you are calling yourself a Christian, the call upon your life is to be courageous, compassionate, merciful, and loving. If you choose to not be courageous, compassionate, merciful, and loving, it is your choice. It is your choice. Because when you come to Christ, those things are imparted into you by the Holy Spirit. They are intrinsically a part of you. You don't have to cultivate forgiveness. You are a forgiving person. So your choice is to be unloving instead of loving. It is to be unkind and lacking in mercy. It is to be unforgiving instead of forgiving. It is to be uncompassionate, if that's a word instead of compassionate. It is to cower and be fearful instead of being courageous. The choice and everything in our life is a choice. And I want to leave you with that because choice is a fantastic thing. I thank God for choice every day, don't you? What a wonderful world we live in where we have choices. We have choices. Do you know how many people don't have choices? But we have choices and I thank God for them. And I leave you with this thought that those core values that Jesus instills into our life at the point where we accept him as our saviour, to act them out, to be them, is your choice. Amen. Amen. 
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.